0: Welcome to Pop Pantheon, the podcast where we completely overanalyze all of your favorite pop stars and then rank them in the official Pop Pantheon. This is your host DJ Louis 14th. and before we get into this week's festivities, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Pop Pantheon wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media at Pop Pantheon Pod. I'm at DJ Louis XIV, L O U I E X I V, on both Twitter and Instagram. Join our Patreon, Pop Pantheon All Access, by going to patreon.com/poppantheon or clicking the link in the show notes of this episode for bonus content access to our discord channel and of course access to the guest list at gorgeous gorgeous my queer pop party which is happening this saturday may 6th at resident in downtown los angeles if you are a patreon subscriber dm us on patreon and you can get on the list plus one everybody else love to see you there click the link in the show notes of this episode to buy tickets and i'm looking forward to having an absolute blast dancing with you guys all night please also introduce yourself i love meeting listeners of the show at the party so see you guys at gorgeous gorgeous la and big news drum roll please you guys have demanded it i've been hearing about it for almost a year straight at this point and it's finally happening gorgeous gorgeous new york city is debuting on june 16th that is a friday at the sultan room in bushwick It'll be from 11 to four. I am so, so excited. We have been working on this for so long. We're finally bringing it back to my hometown. Oh my God. I know there are so many New York and Tri-State and East Coast based listeners of the show that have been wanting us to come out and do a version of Gorgeous Gorgeous in New York City. And we have finally made it happen. I literally cannot wait for this. I'm so, so excited. So I'm going to include the ticket link for that in the show notes of this episode as well. Again, this will be happening June 16th in Bushwick at the Sultan Room. Me, Omri, Lala, Fran, lots of pop pantheon all-stars I'm sure will be showing up there as well. So, Oh, and of course, all your favorite pop bops courtesy of me all night. I cannot wait to see my East Coast niche legends at gorgeous, gorgeous New York City on june 16th this week's episode is about an event that is probably just equal to gorgeous gorgeous in terms of international impact and flavor beyonce knowles carter's world tour in support of her seventh studio album renaissance kicks off in a mere six days in stockholm sweden so we thought this would be a good opportunity to check back in on Beyonce, and specifically discuss Renaissance now that it's been out for parenthetically almost a year, and how we are feeling about this record that I know was a big deal for everybody when it came out. It was a big deal for this podcast. As you know, we did four episodes about Beyonce surrounding the release of Renaissance. It was her first solo album since 2016, and it was received with great fanfare. Lots of critical praise. I know a lot of you loved it. You know I loved it. But of course, it's also had one of the strangest album cycles and rollouts of a pop superstar in recent memory. Beyonce has done absolutely nothing to promo this record. No visuals, no live performances. She's barely acknowledged it besides her Grammy acceptance speech. So the point of this conversation was to gather an absolute murderer's row of guests Hunter Harris, the great writer and author of the Substack, hung up, the editor in chief of Pitchfork and host of the Pitchfork Review, my friend Pooja Patel is here. And of course, you know him, you love him. Keep it Ira Madison III as well to discuss how we're feeling about Renaissance now that we're out of the hype of it. We've had it for almost a year, reflecting on how we feel about the record. We also talk about what it's been like for this cycle to have Beyonce be so absent from the promotional cycle, having never seen her interact with any of this music. And of course, what that all pertains for anticipation for the tour, what we would like to see on the tour, how her not being around to interact with this music has added to anticipation for the tour, maybe how it's negatively impacted some of the album's success, perhaps, or not, we're not sure. And we, of course, at the end of this episode, rank all of the Beyonce solo records. Me, Hunter, Ira, Pooja, we each share our list, including Renaissance, of Beyonce's seven studio albums ranked. It was too soon to do this at any other time, but I think now that we've had a lot of time to reflect on it, it was the moment to do this. So this conversation was an absolute blast. So funny. Lots of amazing points were made. Really fun to reflect on this record that I know, as I said, means a lot to everybody. And it was just great to get to touch down with it and to get to talk to this fabulous crew of guests. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Pooja Patel, Ira Madison III, and Hunter Harris about... Renaissance. Uh, uh, uh. Okay, so I am here with a veritable beehive of all-stars, it's editor-in-chief of Pitchfork and host of the Pitchfork Review, Pooja Patel. Pooja, hi. Hello. It is writer and creator of the completely essential substack, Hung Up. It's Hunter Harris. Hunter, welcome to the show. Hi. And uh, back for the third time, it's my dear friend and host of the podcast, Keep It, Ira Madison III. Ira, lovely to see you as always.
1: Hi. You keep getting me back on here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. For, like, increasingly silly
2: reasons, too. Like,
0: <laughs> if anybody wants to hear the truly stupidest episode of this show, please go listen to Iron Eye I spending literally an hour trying to dissect Normani's musical legacy.
3: What legacy? Yeah, I, I was just like, a legacy.
1: Uh, we're going to do Ava Max next.
3: Oh, boy.
4: Ha's oh. <laughs> <laughs> a great song. One great song.
1: <laughs> Which is
4: what? The sweet but the what was Oh, psycho? sweet but
1: psycho. Yeah. Yeah.
4: I I don't know. I'm
0: here for maybe you're the problem. Okay. Anyone? Well, we'll do an episode one. about that yeah. next. <laughs> Those <Yeah>. two songs. <laughs> Anyone? No. Wait. <laughs> All right. So we're here today for an artist that is perhaps just slightly more significant in the pop firmament than Ava Max and Normani. This is a check-in on our girl. Beyonce. So Beyonce dropped her seventh studio album, Renaissance, as we all know, approximately a year ago. We're fudging this a bit, whatever. It's a a year, close enough. on July 29th of last year, and she's about to kick off a huge worldwide stadium tour, the Renaissance World Tour in Stockholm on May 10th, which will be about six days after this episode of the show drops. We obviously spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about Beyonce. We did four episodes on her work and career leading up to Renaissance, and we talked about Renaissance after it dropped. We've mentioned it a few times, but I thought it was a good moment moment for us, considering that Beyonce is about to embark on this tour, to check in on Renaissance, how we're all feeling about it since we're out of the heat of the hype cycle, and also to reflect on what has been an incredibly strange and perplexing rollout in many ways in which the premier performer and music visual artist of her time literally has done absolutely (laughs) nothing to promote this album, has never performed a single time, has never released a single music video. And I don't think we've ever seen her even interact with any of this music. So when this tour unveils in Stockholm in a few days, it will be the first time that any of us have seen Beyonce essentially acknowledge this album that we all were (laughs) completely like gaga over for the last, whatever, almost year. So that's what we're here to do. I guess my first question for all of you is, where are you on your renaissance journey? Like, how did you feel about it when it came out? How do you feel about it now? Have your thoughts on it evolved over time? Maybe I'll toss that to you first, Ira. Where are you on your renaissance journey here?
1: I think I'm in a chill place now. (laughs) I absolutely love the album. I was obsessed with it all last year. Dominated, you know, my music listening for the year. My Spotify wrapped reflected that. Then it turned into frustration. Then it turned into (laughs) anger. Uh, And I think that's mostly subsided now because as you've mentioned, you know, the tour is imminent. I'm seeing the show in Amsterdam. So I'm seeing the show like in June, like June 17th. So like it's, it's coming. I know it's coming. I have friends going to the Stockholm show who I want to just know from them that it occurred and that we hear <laughs> the music. Uh, that I would like to know just that. But other than that, I also just want to be completely in the dark about what I'm going to see. Because we've been in the dark so long, you know? And mm-hmm. I feel like at this point, like, I don't want to. Don't go on see- the internet. Yeah, then. well, I, I got to delete TikTok, too. Because let me tell you something. TikTok, its algorithm will just give you everything. Like, I went to the Eras tour, right? And I went to, like, the third show. Leading up to that, my TikTok was nothing but videos of the Eras Tour, and I'm like, "Is it locked into my Ticketmaster? Does it know what I'm about to do?" So I, I want to—I still want to stay in the dark at this point because she hasn't really given us anything. But the frustration's there, man.
0: Are you still into the music? Like, I how love you the music. do you listen to this record? I love the
1: music. I still listen to the record from time. To- I will be at home and not like listen to it that much. But when I'm hanging out with friends, like people throw the album on, but it's it's still great to mm-hmm. listen to. I'm not in my listening to it. All. All day, everyday phase
0: anymore. All right. What about you, Pooja?
4: I mean, the album still hits. Don't get me Mm -hmm. wrong. Like, it it is like motivational music for me still. And I feel like more and more, obviously, you've had Julianne on to talk about Beyonce, but she and I are constantly talking about how it has become this like really in-depth historical document in the way that Beyonce tends to create historical documents of Black art like in the last couple of years or in the last couple of album releases i will say here's my frustration i feel frustrated too and i am not like sitting here craving the videos or the visuals or whatever like teaser hype machine thing that beyonce is going to do next my frustration remains kind of tied to the original criticism of this album which was mm. like has this woman been to the club before Does
2: like mm. is this woman
4: <laughs> of the people and The only kind of public appearance we've seen of her is at the Grammys when she like acknowledged that and got teary eyed. And then a month later performed in Dubai for 20 million dollars in a place where being (laughs) queer is punishable by death. You know what I mean? So I feel like I love this album so much. I cannot wait to see it live. I'm like biting at the bit to see it live. But I'm also just trying, I'm like waiting for her to do something that feels as impactful and intentional in public as Mm -hmm. this sounds, Mm -hmm. right? So that's where my frustration is. It's like never meet your idols, like they will disappoint you. I hope to never meet (laughs) Beyonce. But I'm holding her to that caliber of just being like, I know you're smart. I know that you're super intentional. Where are we seeing that? Like, you have to give that to the people if you're making art that feels, like, political or pointed in this way. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. that's kind of where my, like, dissonance is. That's where my frustration is. And I can't wait to go to the show. <laughs> like, I'm going to be losing my shit 10th <laughs> row for a billion dollars <laughs> at yeah. <the> Prudential Center.
0: <laughs> Do you feel that frustration <laughs> as we discussed ad nauseum and as every? you know, music person has discussed ad nauseum. The work itself is obviously rife with research and reverence for what it's referencing. Yeah. Like she clearly did her homework. I mean, we we don't need to reiterate this album is filled with samples and references and ideas that clearly illustrate that Beyonce like didn't just casually try to make a gay dance pop album like she clearly gave us a bit of a college course on it in some senses so you feel like that's kind of like half the job and the other half of it would be to somehow like acknowledge that in a more sort of like 360 degree sense somehow that perhaps this tour is going to do 100%
4: and and maybe this is just my larger frustration with pop stars like make Mm, your tickets affordable for the people who you're allegedly making this album for you know like how are you doing this and that's like, you know, that's a, a multi-part debate that goes into 20 billion other things. But I think that's what I want from her. And I was just so annoyed by the Dubai performance. I was mm-hmm. just like, you didn't need this. Why are you doing this while you're like making this anthem for, for queer people? You know, so yeah. I think that's where
0: my like, that's where I'm standing right now. If there's one thing that we all know Beyonce loves more than anything else, <laughs> it is money. <laughs> 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 she is queer for money. So there you go. <laughs> All right, Hunter, what about you? What's your journey been with Renaissance?
3: Honestly, I kind of feel like I'm just too easy to please. <laughs> We were in a Beyonce drought before. Like, let yeah. that not be forgotten. The yeah. tennis True. song, like, True. Black is King. I don't want to hear any of those songs ever again. And I'm like being <laughs> so fucking serious right now.
0: You're going to hear those on the tour, no, girlie. Let me tell no. you, she is de- There is going to be a Black is King section in, on my
3: life. If she starts playing Brown Skinned Girl, I swear to <laughs> God, I will <gotta> sit down. <laughs> That's not a song, it's like a boring Ted Talk.
0: Ivy's Grammy is shaking. And I'm sorry to
3: say it, but it's like, that's the part of Beyonce that's so literal, that is so on the nose, that's so like, who run the world girls that I have never mm. liked. But yeah, so after, I mean, just especially the tennis song, after that, the tennis. I song. was so nervous for what Renaissance would be and then seeing the track list and it's like, oh, America's got a problem. Oh, girl, please. I mean, <laughs> enough. Enough is enough. And then to be, you know, so surprised and delighted by this true, <laughs> I think, Sonic journey masterpiece. Still, I feel like I listen to Renaissance. Some songs, maybe once. So we, mm-hmm. unfortunately, Cuff It, which was my favorite song originally, has fully been adopted by white people on social media Yeah, so that's so fun but i do think that there are a couple things about this rollout that are very vexing interesting to me obviously the dubai performance sort of casts a shadow over everything but like i'm so tickled by Beyonce like going back into the studio and like making a cuff it remix that's like a true <laughs> like 90s Mariah Carey like mm, a full yeah. rearrangement mm-hmm. and not just like we'll have someone trending hop on for a verse or mm-hmm. we'll add another little tag or something like that which I think has become sort of like the remix rubric yeah. of this day
2: I feel like falling in love falling in love Fuck something up. Love something I, up I need baby. some break in my cup. Hey I'm it in up. love to fuck something the up. World. I wanna make I wanna the go
3: was very interested in that, and I think she did release like one little music video, maybe in like August. I want to say, for no, Girl
1: Girl. No, it's and not the full like, video. It's a <laughs> teaser. It's like a teaser. It, it cuts off halfway into the song. <laughs> not you calling that a music that video. It was, was, was literally that, 10 second and clip she posted I, on Twitter. That was nastier what than, than you are.
3: I'm a Leo. <laughs> uh,
1: are you a Leo? I didn't know that.
3: Of
2: course, I, I'm I'm one to, of course I'm one two, you know, a Leo. I know you're
1: a I love that. That was, by the way, sorry, that was nastier than Dubai to me, by the way. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, all of a sudden, we see, like, she is tweeting out, on that girl. Before, I'm that girl, you remember she dropped a teaser for that teaser where it was, like, a renaissance countdown. <laughs> yes. It was like, oh, yes. the videos yes. are coming. Yes. And then we get on that girl, all the flashes of these other videos that are to come. And then the video cuts off halfway through it. And I was like, you're the rudest woman that I've ever known in my life.
4: Something happened, right? Yeah. Like, Do you think something's plan behind something? the scenes? Okay, th-
0: this is my next question I want to pose to the group is, as goes without saying, Beyonce has made her name on these grand visual statements that accompany her mm-hmm. records. This dates back to, I mean, you could say it dates back to like the Crazy in Love music video and the iconic video she did early in her career, but it certainly dates back to releasing a video for every song right. on B-Day. And then, of course, the visual album, which radically changed the music industry forever. And then obviously once again with Lemonade where she again released perhaps like the greatest 360 degree audio visual pop project that's ever existed that we still mm-hmm. to this day will you know talk about in that way. So nothing has come here. And the I'm that girl clip I think begs the question, mm-hmm. Was that a plan? Was that something that she did intentionally because she wanted it to affect our ability to experience this music somehow? Or do you guys think this was a fuck up that she then had to kind of rock with? What does everybody think about that?
1: So, and I don't, I'm not gonna name names, (laughs) but you know, being gay and living in New York and like actually knowing, (laughs) well, like I'm actually, you know, like friends with people who have like worked at Parkwood as well, Mm -hmm. who will tell me nothing. But I also know people who have been in videos they were on set for these videos. Mm-hmm. So the videos were done. Like the the rumor mm-hmm. that like the videos were never shot is not true. The videos were done. I know people who have seen some of them and I just feel like at this point she being the perfectionist that she is. I mean, we remember from that fucking documentary like where she was like the candles, mm-hmm. she was like are the wrong mm-hmm. color, like we got to get rid of that. Mm-hmm. I truly believe at this point that she saw the videos and because of she's Beyonce, you know, she's a Virgo. She's like, this has to be perfect. This has to be the best shit I've ever done. Probably decided no. And whether there are reshoots, I don't know if there's reshoots or anything, but that's it.
3: She put out the videos for Black as King, though, and those were not perfect. Hunter.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, i'm just Hunter's people going. forget <laughs> People
1: forget, and I remember.
0: She thinks they are though. Wait, but also she thinks they that are. That was equally crazy though because she put that out like, a year yeah. after mm-hmm. Black is King came out. And, like, I think that shook her a little bit because mm-hmm. that landed with a thud. I mean, Hunter, you were just making reference to the fact that, like, we don't even really remember that happening. She put so much money and work into that shit. I mean, I remember watching that and being like, oh, my God, there's, like, 700 setups mm-hmm. in this film. This mm-hmm. is, like, so ornate and, like, over-the-top extravagant. And it felt like, I mean, look, it came out probably in, like, what, July 2020, so, like, really bad timing. <laughs> like- Really good us, timing, like, honestly, uh, everyone right.
4: was stuck inside <laughs>
0: yeah. that's true that's true yeah. but but here's the problem here was the problem with that, I think, which is that a I do think that was not intentional. I do not think she intended to wait a year to make that. I think mm-hmm. that was another sort of perfectionist psychodrama she had gotten into that made that take forever, and I also think the difference here is that. Black is King, or The Gift, the record that it was based off of, was never like a big deal. Like when that music came out, that felt like the slightest thing Beyonce had ever done in terms of like how much people were paying attention to it compared to her Mm -hmm. studio albums Mm -hmm. or even to the record with Jay-Z, which also felt kind of like a slight thing when it came out a a year before that. So to wait a year to drop visuals for that felt like truly out of her mind because it was like no one's waiting for this. Like no one's like, you know, the anticipation's not even there. So this feels like... Perhaps, yes, in tandem with that, in the sense that maybe she got stuck up on her own perfectionism with the whole thing. The difference here is that I think we'd all still want them if she was going to give them to us. I mean, am I wrong about that? Like, if, if Beyonce was going to drop visuals, like, is that something we still covet from her at this point? Sweetie, if yeah, they absolutely. drop. Yeah,
1: if they drop now, I'm closing the Zoom. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We would all have to take a break. We're canceling I do... work.
4: Oh. I also feel like, as you said, Beyonce is like all about her money. And a lot yeah. of her biggest, most notable, remember, drops were immediately tied to money. And I'm thinking about like formation next to the Super Bowl, Lemonade with yeah. the HBO partnership, Coachella and Homecoming. And I have to to imagine that there is something that went awry with the money here. Because Mm. I also, I like have heard people who were like, yeah, I showed up, I did my thing as I was told to do, and I was told nothing else about it. Like I didn't know what song it was for, (laughs) when it was coming out, if my clip was gonna be used or how much of my clip was gonna be used. And these are like, you know, an actor slash musician, right? Mm -hmm. And that was last summer. So I feel like there was a partnership play that went awry. That is my feeling. Mm. And I also wonder if it's like there was a lot of rumors around her Grammys appearance. She was supposedly supposed to perform and they had pre-recorded. This was the feeling on the ground at the Grammys. She was supposed to perform. Again, this is all, like, hearsay. I do not say that I know anything. I'm just, like, making that caveat. But she was supposed to perform. No, they, please
0: speculate wildly they here. They pre-recorded
4: that it. terrible rap montage that closed out the Grammys in the case Beyonce decided not to show. And that's what played on air. And it looked like it was live. It was not live. Mm. It was there. The one with Jay in it, you mean? The one with Jay-Z, Colin, all yeah. oh, that right. long um, Um, Yeah, 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 they always do some terrible rap montage thing at the Grammys. But I heard that she heard that she wasn't going to get album of the year. And so they aired the Dance Electronic Award, which they never air to give her screen time and also have her fulfill the contract of appearing on the Grammys, because she was supposed to perform at the Grammys. And I think if she had performed, then there would have been visuals dropped soon thereafter. Mm. Because she doesn't Mm. just, like, drop shit willy-nilly. It's, like, very... -hmm.
0: Perfect. Except
4: Black is King.
2: (laughs) Except Black is King.
4: Okay, sorry. I have two things
3: that I've been sitting on for a minute. First, I think to Pooja's point, yes, I have to imagine there's some sort of like commercial tie in to all of this. I was thinking Mm -hmm. it might be the Tiffany campaign. Mm -hmm. They Mm -hmm. use some of the Renaissance songs in stuff that she was not in, in like commercials Mm -hmm. that she was not in. That was nasty. So I thought it might be that was nasty.
1: That was was maybe even ruder than on that girl dropping the. (laughs) Using a Tiffany's commercial (laughs) to play Summer Renaissance, I was disgusted. That was horrible,
0: that was horrible, that was
3: horrible. I have to imagine that this was supposed to be done in tandem with some kind of corporation and she was going to get paid more or at least be able to expense everything but even blackest king and the gift and all of that was like i think a disney co-production right or something yes. with the lion yeah. king and i think the yeah. other thing about the whole blackest king visuals is that i feel like people are pretty open that like covid sort of derailed it and that they had to go mm. back and just kind of cobble together and edit because the narrative does not even extend halfway through the, the movie <laughs> like <laughs> It just kind of all the voiceover just
2: stops. Um, Hunter, Hunter, a Hunter has this vend- has a vendetta against this fucking film. No, I'm
3: just saying, when people wrong you, you have to remember.
2: Um,
3: <laughs> But I'm holding out hope that minutes before or minutes after the Stockholm show, she'll be dropping
0: visuals. I mean,
3: that Mm -hmm. would make sense, you know. Mm
0: -hmm. Or is she just going to let the tour be the visuals? Because here's one thing that I was thinking about, something that Hazel Sills brought up to me when we were talking about Renaissance in the context of our, like, albums of the year show whatever in December was like the kind of way that in the vacuum people have like created the visuals for her like through like the cuff it challenge Mm -hmm. and like we're all out here like promoing these songs for her like I wonder if like just sort of letting social media like do its work in some ways is like kind of like a weird I don't know if it's a strategy because I'm on team this was a fuck up and this was not the plan so I don't want to like ascribe some sort of like Machiavellian thing to Beyonce here from not doing this But I do think, like, interesting things have come out of that. Like, Mm. look, the fact that Cuff It and Break My Soul were both legitimate hit songs, something that Beyonce has not had in her solo career genuinely, really, since like, the Sasha Fierce era, if we're being 100% honest. I mean, I guess Drunk In Love maybe qualifies as, like, a caveat to that, but Beyonce in the last 10, 12 years, 15 years even, has not exactly been, like, a singles artist. It's not like Four was tossing off number one hits or whatever, or Lemonade, or whatever. So she has managed through this work to have the biggest hits of her career in a very long time without really having to like do that much, which I find incredibly interesting and like also a testament to the way that like social media and fans and stands can kind of like fill in the gaps in weird ways in the absence Mm. of the artist's presence. So I'm not saying that like she did that intentionally, but I do think like some interesting ideas have arisen in the space that she's left behind because that Cuff It Challenge and the way that that spread through TikTok and like made that song into a hit. I mean, what kind of superstar scores that? That big of a hit without doing Anything to promote the song. I mean, it's a really interesting phenomenon that, like, perhaps is going to be instructive to other superstars. I wonder.
1: I will say I like the creativity and I like that it propelled it to a hit. But I'm not sitting at home watching nobody's Cuffit challenge. I'm sorry. Like, I like. I want to watch a video. I don't want to watch. I don't want to watch Stephanie in no, Indianapolis trying to like do dance moves to this song. Every Cuff
3: It challenge I've watched against my will. Right.
0: Like, it's, I,
3: it's rude. I'm not let
0: me be clear. I am not saying that it's pleasurable to me personally, but it definitely made the song a hit without her having to do shit, which is just interesting. Who to did me. the
4: first one? Do you know? No like, was idea. it seated by her team? Or was it just a thing that happened?
0: Well, well, I mean, right. to but that question.
4: Do we remember who did the like the who was the first famous person? Mm-hmm.
0: No, but I just think it's interesting that that is clearly like her biggest solo hit in so long, and like we have no idea like how she would dance to it, what sh- her visual like mm-hmm. idea of it is. It's just really interesting. I-, I guess that brings me to my next question for you all, which is like we know how we all personally feel about the lack of visuals and like where the four of us are sitting on it. How do you think the lack of visuals? Has affected the album cycle here. I mean, this is a really unique situation for an A-list superstar to release an album like this and to do absolutely nothing. I mean, I don't know that I can think of another instance in history where this has happened. How do you think it's affected it? Like, has the absence of Beyonce made us salivate more for this tour? Like, has it actually been, like, a boon to her live show? Like, do you think that there's negative ways that this album was affected by her not releasing the visuals? Like, do you think that there could have been more hits? There could have been bigger songs? Like, how do you think this absence of Beyonce during this cycle has affected the way renaissance has been received by the general public
3: i think there's maybe less saturation just because there's less material there's less content to consume and share and make memes out of but at the same time i think beyonce has never felt like a really like online internet savvy musician she's not on TikTok. she like doesn't she posts on instagram like a week after the holiday (laughs) like for every (laughs) holiday um But I, but that's like you know that's her thing, and that's fine. She's not like you know when everyone like get on TikTok and like complain mm. like oh my label won't let me put this song out until like I go viral mm. yeah. or whatever. Like she would never do that because mm. that's no. so opposite her ideas about control and brand and power. In as much as her touring did any help to sell out or to sell, maybe it's drummed up more curiosity, but I don't don't Mm. think it would be absent regardless.
0: Do you think that it's made the record less successful or less saturating than it might have been in other instances? Because one thing that's been interesting to me is that in my corner of the world, which is just like gay people in major United States urban locations, (laughs) like this record was the biggest fucking thing for like that first couple of months when it came out. I mean, I was going to clubs, I DJ'd parties where we just played the whole thing. I mean, it was like, I don't know if I've ever seen a phenomenon like take hold in that way, like in my lifetime. Like it felt like the biggest thing ever, but sometimes I would take a little tippy toe outside of my little universe and I'd be like, oh, like a lot of people haven't listened to this. I talked to some people where they'd be like, oh yeah, I heard that's good. Like, is it good? And I, this was like months after it was released. And I was like, wait, you like haven't listened to this? Like, how is that possible? I wonder if you feel like there's ways in which she has like kind of sat sabotaged her. Some of her commercial, I mean, again, this record's been successful, so I don't know if that's even, like, worth exploring in any ways, but, like, this is a woman who did once famously say, if I gave a fuck about streaming numbers, I would've put Lemonade up on Spotify or whatever, so maybe she doesn't really care about that, and these are all just, like, legacy building exercises for her. Every album is just supposed to be this kind of, like, artistic achievement, and she really doesn't care how it does commercially. But, at the same time, this clearly was a record that she did want to put herself back on the charts. She worked a lead single, there were, like, aspects to this that made it seem like she was gunning for some sort of return to commercial saturation that perhaps maybe her last few records hadn't. I wonder if you feel like this has negatively impacted the ability for this record to perhaps disseminate beyond sort of like the core Mm. Beyonce stands. Like, could this record have been an even bigger deal if she had done more to promote it?
1: She wouldn't have released that many Break My Soul remixes, for one, if she didn't care about those streaming numbers. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And I also think that... So what do you think about Casual Beyonce? Beyonce fans too, you know, like there were some casual ones who listened to this album and like discovered it. Obviously there's people who haven't. I was horrified last weekend when a friend told me like, we're just like going to brunch. And she was like, you know, like I-, I still haven't listened to the rest of it beyond like the fifth song. And like my head went over to her. I wanted to shove her out the Uber. But when you think about concerts, right, like and the concerts coming and obviously like it was hard to get tickets. They're like s- selling for like so much. I feel like concerts and videos, which we haven't gotten yet, which I think when they do ever come out, will give a new life to the album. But concerts are sort of like an equalizer for people who right. are casual fans because you'll go to any concert for a big artist and there will be people there who are like, I love Beyonce or I like, I just want to see a Beyonce concert who haven't even bothered to listen to the new album. You know, they don't know the songs. You get that for any artist, you know? They're like people right. at the Taylor show who like they, they don't know what the fuck a Midnight's is or like folklore evermore, but they want to hear their hits, you know? And then after the Eras tour, like her song started going, Back on the charts again. And I feel like Renaissance, the casual people, the people mm-hmm. who are just Beyonce stands, they wanna go and hear, you know, Single Ladies or Halo or like Blow or whatever, Crazy in Love. They're gonna hear some of these songs that maybe they haven't listened to. And I feel like the album will re enter the charts again after Stockholm
3: and a perfect time to release the visuals finally Mm -hmm.
1: yeah and that's Europe too Mm -hmm. you know like it's interesting to me too that she unlike most other pop stars doing like a tour like is starting it in Europe in that first leg of the tour and then the U.S. tour starts so knowing Beyonce too and remembering you know like the Mrs carter world tour right like that was another very rude tour that she went on with no new album out at all (laughs) and then all of a sudden she's like oh wait here's a grown woman
0: and she dropped the visual album in the middle of that tour and then reworked the whole tour into a visual (laughs) album
1: yeah and when she dropped ape shit into some of the formation you know it's just sort of like Mm -hmm. i feel like it's very beyonce too do this European leg, here's some of the show, and then I'm coming to the U.S., and here's some more.
4: Yeah. I also think that we might be giving the casual Beyoncé listener a little too much credit, because, Mm. like, the casual Beyoncé listener is a singles fan. Mm. Like, they aren't listening to albums in their entirety. You know, like, Beyoncé became a superstar off of singles and select music videos, you know? So, Mm. if anything, I'm kind of curious if the format of renaissance which is mixed and is like it doesn't really like allow you to designate singles super clearly Mm. if you're listening Mm. to it in album form let mm-hmm. you just stream right through. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That's fair. It's one of those
4: albums where if you're not paying close attention, you might not know like when heated starts. You know exactly. <laughs> yes, um, right, right. Or when right. break my soul actually starts, mm-hmm. and like if right. which song that is. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's why everyone was just like, break my soul sounds so insane <laughs> when it mm-hmm. first came out. Everyone was just like, what yeah. is this? <laughs> right. Um, right. Or at least I was. <laughs> right. But mm-hmm. in the context of the yeah. album, it makes complete sense so mm-hmm. exactly i wonder if your friend is turning off right after break my soul <laughs> <laughs> right <And> true I- <laughs> chaos agent <laughs> <laughs>
2: and-
4: <laughs> like church girl no thanks yeah <laughs>
2: you go
1: word. to you go to clubs like the non-gay like if i'm at like i don't know I was like on a ski trip you know in park city and there's you know like just weird white street people around me and like break my soul will play casual ones know that and i think they know cuff it now because it finally thank god dethrones hate Halo, one of the worst songs ever created. Uh, Ryan Tedder. Thank Ryan you. Tedder should pay Thank for his you. Crimes. This is my fucking
0: uh, hobby horse of life. So th- Halo is trash. Uh, Everyone needs to recognize that is her worst single. No,
1: Single Ladies is worse. But Pooja, no, I think that you're right. No, uh,
0: no, that's
2: crazy.
1: <laughs> I think that you're absolutely right. You know, like she, not just her, most artists are like singles artists. I mean, like, it's weird when you think of like her not really caring about singles anymore on the previous album. And maybe that's why people weren't familiar with them just because for the most part, people who aren't a big fan fan of an artist don't listen to things that aren't the singles you know they listen to them on Spotify or they'll watch the music video but they're not gonna dive into a whole album
0: yeah but here's the thing and I, I do want to talk about like what our expectations are for the tour but like I as like a renaissance super fan I have sequences I want to see these songs and like there's a part of me that's just like I kind of want to see her like do it in order because like I'm so as to. Pooja was she saying she has to do it in she order she has to, she yeah. has to do, there's no question or like like, at least in clusters, like, I really want to see, like, there's no way we cannot get, like, the Cuff It, Energy, Break My Soul, like, cluster. Like, how can we experience those songs disconnected from each other? Like, that to me is like, got to be the finale. Is like the Cuff It, Energy, Break My Soul, Triptych. That's got to be, like, a thing. And then the Pure Honey Summer Renaissance thing. I mean, like, there's so many of these songs that, like, as Pooja was getting at, A, I want to hear all of the songs on the tour. Like, I want to hear every Renaissance song. And in that instance, like, yes, I could also see her in terms of like how I'd like to see this tour happen is like using the album as like, or the sequence of the album as like a super structure and then inserting past hits into sort of the context of the way that the album flows together, I think would be like a really interesting way to sort of like structure the setlist around the fact that this is like a perfectly mixed DJ set, which is like one of the major strengths of this record to me. So I don't know how casual fans are going to feel about showing up and hearing all all 16 Renaissance songs. (laughs) I think we need to hear them as super fans like who have waited so long to hear this. I think she understands that she's got to do most of those songs. I'm so curious how she's going to like set this up and how much of the back catalog she's really even going to dive into. Does anybody else have like expectations or desires for like what this tour is going to look like? What the set list is going to be like? Does that spark anything for anyone?
3: Totally. I think she's absolutely going to do all the songs in order because she has to. But I also think thinking about this tour in the context of Homecoming and the Coachella set, she's like given fans of the Deeper Cut something. Like performing like Kitty Cat Mm -hmm. at Coachella Mm -hmm. is like, you know, Mm -hmm. awesome. So I think with this tour, she has freed herself up for the opportunity of really maybe pulling in some unexpected songs from B-Day that like I think are totally in conversation with this album, but also just playing like some general appeal hits to assuage like the common fan who's just like, I want to see Beyonce. Because like the yeah. real Beyonce fans saw how she can just so masterfully mix old and new stuff and throwbacks right. and like weird right. references that only truly like people who've ridden with
0: her forever
3: will yeah. know and appreciate. Yeah. Mm. Like
0: you know what we're gonna get interpolations of blow, of sweet dreams, of like songs mm-hmm. that would make sense in that kind of like dance floor context. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's no way she's missing that opportunity. Mm-hmm. I think what makes Homecoming so incredibly brilliant. I mean one of the many things is that the way that she threads her career together and the way that she threads it together outside of her career into her influences. I mean that segment of Homecoming where she does like check on it, countdown and then like bomb bomb and Sister Nancy mm-hmm. and Don Penn into hold up. threading her discography through time and connecting it to like black diasporic musical history is just like brilliant. So I'm hoping that that's the energy that she brings to this where she's like able to take the renaissance ethos and aesthetics as like a base point and like figure out ways to kind of like that are going to blow our mind in the same way that hearing the renaissance tracklist in order does to like thread her greater sort of oeuvre into renaissance. Like that's what I'm hoping this setlist is essentially like.
3: I will say yes and I also hope that Sasha. Fierce is really not represented. <laughs>
1: Absolutely.
4: (laughs) I will just be irritated if part two is like a homecoming reprise and is just like some version of a live performance of Mm.
0: Renaissance because I just want to see more. Yeah. In terms of the rumor mill though, like, I mean, that's one that I've heard on Good Authority is like, there are two other albums. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I was letting you guys go off with your like rumors about the visuals. I've heard a lot of those as well. But like, I have heard on good authority that there are two other albums, a country album and an R&B album. And from what I heard of the original plan was that they were intended to drop like within the year that Renaissance had come out. But clearly we're coming up on that happening. So mm. I just, again, th- I file that in the whole, like what was planned, what wasn't planned. They're out there. Maybe she left the door open by calling it act one and saying nothing else about mm-hmm. what the other acts were to like scrap those albums and do what you're saying, Pooja. Like I wouldn't be surprised if she like pivots on that front, but like they exist. I As far as I heard, I've heard people tell me that they have heard firsthand songs from those other albums. So they're there but who the fuck knows what the plan is with all of that shit
3: talking about the other two albums I mean as finished as I've heard they are as like done as they are it never really made sense to me that she would tour all three of them at once Yeah, right. if that makes sense because yeah. no, that's like that's right. way too much music mm-hmm. for right. one
0: tour too much so I'm not surprised that those aren't out this is the era's tour struggle Ira you've seen it I haven't seen it yet but like you know she had to deal with the fact that she had four albums come out since her last tour that was like the whole conceit mm-hmm. of this tour essentially
1: yeah but Beyonce's concise in a way that taylor isn't and maybe yeah. she even likes money more than beyonce that three-hour show i was like great i went to get drinks and pizza during many, <laughs> during, many <laughs> during many times during the era show because i'm like this is this is too
0: long D- girl. During evermore i'm gonna be buying merch <laughs> yes. that will be when i am getting exactly my merch.
3: that is funny wait i have one more question sorry i Go keep on up with things no, doesn't she it. still have two outstanding projects on the netflix
0: she does. deal or whatever yes she does. Mm-hmm. yes
3: do we think that's going to factor into either the release of visuals or as like a visual component of the concert like that's going to be the concert doc
1: maybe the concert doc i don't see the visuals being on netflix but I don't know. In my rumor mill, I heard that they were. Uh, well, also, I don't trust anybody who works at Netflix. I truly had a friend at Netflix <laughs> who was like high up at Netflix who didn't tell me a damn thing about Homecoming coming out. And I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> there's that. <laughs>
0: Are you enjoying this episode? Do you like what you're hearing? Well, you might need to subscribe to our Patreon channel, Pop Pantheon All Access. If you join for just five bucks a month at the Icon tier, you'll get access to all of our bonus content. This includes deep dives into classic albums like Janet's The Velvet Rope with Rich Duzwiak, Taylor Swift's Reputation with Britney Spanos, and Britney's Blackout with Troy McKitty, as well as reviews of new records like Scissor's SOS with Owen Myers and Miley's Endless Summer Vacation with Shad D'Souza. With new episodes being published all the time, we also touch on all your favorite new songs, fluctuating pop star Pantheon, positions and so much more plus you get access to our discord channel the guest list at my party gorgeous gorgeous and a ton of other great perks so sign up today at patreon.com slash or by clicking the link in the show notes of this episode All right, so we've made allusions to how much we all seem to hate Sasha Fierce. So I think that's a good jumping off point for us to share an annoying, but I think useful and fun list that we all made. Now, everybody on the internet loves to rank things. When this record dropped, mad people were ranking Beyonce albums, like within three days of this album coming out, as if anybody could have a logical perspective on that right off the bat like Mm -hmm. this. But I do think now that we are almost, parenthetical, a year removed from Renaissance, maybe this is a time where we can rank each of us Beyonce's seven studio albums, including Renaissance. We are not including Homecoming. We are not including Everything is Love, her joint album with Jay-Z. And we are not including The Gift slash Black is King. We're talking about Beyonce's canonical seven studio albums, Dangerously in Love, B-Day, I Am Slash a Fierce for the self-titled, Visual album *Lemonade* and *Renaissance*. We have each ranked these albums as they stand now. Again, no one is etching this in a stone tablet. This is just an audio format that people will listen to and will be preserved on Apple Podcasts for eternity. So, whatever. Who wants to go first? Who wants to share their rankings first? Anybody want to volunteer as tribute? I'll volunteer as tribute. Get it out of the way. That's what I. Let's go. Start at the bottom. Start at the bottom.
4: Start at the bottom. (laughs) I want to. Okay, let me tell you the context for which I made this list. I opened my email from Louie last night at 10 30 p.m.
0: and texted Louie <laughs> and said
4: oh are we supposed to be ranking these albums
0: okay <laughs> and then, I'm so glad that I put so much work into prepping for this and sending this out with plenty of time so everybody has and time then to I prepare. started
4: listening to the albums and I fell asleep and then this morning I created a rubric for myself, mm. and okay. the rubric is it. overall notes, highlights, lowlights, and then all caps, Ick, and then using a mathematical okay. equation, I have ranked them based on Whoa. number of impulsive skips. Mm. Skips and Ick oh combined. Oh my god,
0: wow, this is like science. Yes, okay. it's science. I yep. work
4: at pitchwork.com where we rank things on a decimal scale. <laughs> 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 all right, starting at the bottom going up, Bottom, never need to listen to this album, would love if it wasn't an album, Sasha Fierce. I have 10 skips if I'm being generous, 12 to 14
0: skips (laughs) when I'm feeling (laughs) brutal. (laughs) What's your biggest Sasha Fierce skip, Hmm. Where did you smash that skip button fastest? Diva. Diva! Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wow, that is, Diva, I was going to say that's one of the only redeeming moments on Sasha Fierce for me. I mean, lots of slow,
4: boring things on that album, but Diva just gives yeah. me the ick. Like, mm, I wow. feel like it's an album that has, like, tried to do multiple gender identity things on it, right? Like, If mm. I Were a Boy is, right. like, very, like, you're trying here. <laughs> Ego, like, the subtlety of that, obviously a gender identity play, diva like a diva is a female version of a hustler like get out of my brain i hate that line
0: <laughs> that is not what a diva is unfortunately. no and
4: i also am just like this is like the most boring reductive way to think about this like you are beyonce you know years later she would stand on a stage with the word feminist behind her and that would be its own thing but sasha furious at the very bottom Sure. after that going up is dangerously in love mm.
2: mm-hmm.
4: i have 11 skips. <laughs> <laughs> On that oh my be- god
0: <laughs> You know I was, I was
4: following my heart It was early in the morning No,
0: really God, 11 skips Ooh. How many songs Are even on the album? 15 <laughs> It's like songs. 13 songs 15 songs 11 <laughs> Wow
4: 11 skips If I'm feeling brutal This is me with nine. So you out. were not
0: trying to listen To That's How You Like It Is what you're saying Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Exactly I know Iris also- here For That's How You Like It I know Iris <laughs> About to be like I love That's How You Like It
4: Also I've- I don't. Daddy drives me insane Daddy definitely yeah. In her
0: top 5 worst songs
2: You killed my disability.
4: The whole ick, yeah. <laughs> ick. Okay, going up from there. This yeah. starts to get tough. Mm. This is where it gets tough. This is where it gets tough. I have lemonade up mm-hmm. after that. Mm-hmm. Three skips. Sandcastles, forward, Oof. and? <laughs> no. Pray you catch me? <laughs> I've got six inch love draw and forward. Six inch? Six inches. the weekend is so song? Good. Yeah. Six inches. Yeah. the weekend song. Yeah, he needs to pay for his <laughs> <laughs> Like... <laughs>
3: No, when he's search. indicted, it will be for the idol and then also for sex. I
4: love Let's be clear search. on that. <laughs> Stunning album, obviously incredible album. I, I felt like some oh. of the stuff
0: there was there in
4: service of the video narrative. Yes. So that's
0: that's yes. what I'm going for. Concur. Although you're wrong about Love Drought. Love Drought is one of her most beautiful, in my opinion.
4: But I was just like, that was for the visuals. That's kind of how I feel. I
0: don't know. That song puts
1: me through it. I'm just letting people uh, know. But that's that's my own yeah. personal demons.
4: Ira, you might be the biggest no, um, like full no criticism fan here.
1: Oh, I've got some critiques.
0: That's, no no way is that out. true. <laughs> like, no way is that true. No way is
4: that true. This gets really hard. Yeah, I think I'm yes. like pretty evenly torn between B Day and self-titled. After this, got any pros and cons you want to throw out to the peanut gallery? I have to wonder how much of this ranking is also tied to like where I was in my life, yeah. because everyone remembers where they were when the self-titled came out, right? Like. Mm-hmm that was just like a really visceral moment. And I was like an aspiring music writer and Spin asked me to write about it. It was just like one of those like, I've shown up for this moment situation. Mm -hmm. So like beyond Mm -hmm. it being a big album and just like a a stunning album, I think it was like a personal Mm -hmm. thing for Mm me. But then B-Day, okay, I know we're not talking about the deluxe version, but I have to like talk about the deluxe version of B-Day because that's where she did all of her Spanish language stuff. Mm. Do you remember this? Yes. Did, yes. Like, of course. You read
2: that.
5: And that was a Shakira song,
4: too, and right? Yes. Yeah. and I, uh, Of
0: course. Beautiful Liar.
4: But the, the big nag about B-Day is that it opens with Jay-Z. Like, the first thing you hear is Jay-Z on B-Day. Mm-hmm
0: you on an absolute mm-hmm. banger of a fucking song. sure uh, listen she loves her man a, a 12
4: right? out of 10 song but the reason i want to talk about the deluxe version and like that's informing me too is because beautiful liar opens the deluxe version and it's beyonce being like at her most like I'm here. I'm an independent person now. Mm -hmm. Let's fucking rock.
0: Except for Shakira's also here. No, but
4: she says, (laughs) she literally
1: says her name four times, opening Beautiful Life. (laughs) Beyonce,
2: Beyonce.
0: (laughs) Shakira, Shakira. Okay, but here's the thing, though. I don't think that deluxe version is canon. Like, when we're thinking about B-Day, we're thinking about those ten songs, right? But, like, like, Mante
4: ran so Mm. that, or, like, what is it? The the one ran so the other one could walk. The one walked, the the other one could run.
0: Bella and Bucero ran so that Mihente could fly. (laughs)
4: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Okay, up next is four. I basically have like
0: no skips. Maybe rather die young. Wow. Real props to best things I never had. Never never gotten (laughs) such a big endorsement before. But I also feel like
4: this album kind of set the tone for everything that would happen
0: afterwards.
4: And, like, you literally hear it. Like, I feel like Dance For You is partition. And also, Mm. like, Sierra, you're welcome for Body Party because that's what Dance For You was. You know what I mean? Mm. And, like, Love On Top. Like, I just feel like every single fucking track on this is... Literally setting the blueprint for the rest of her career.
0: Again, another track listing that got like scrambled in a deluxe edition, but the original track listing for four is so well paced. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I love the way that it starts like this lang- with this languid Prince ballad and then it ends with like countdown and end of time, these like ecstatic, insane up tempo numbers. Like, I love the way it builds in tempo. It was a genius, like, way to string together a lot of songs that like don't necessarily sound alike to me. Also, like,
4: no Jay Z. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Incredible. You are really Incredible. nice. For, for beyonce's <laughs> husband <laughs>
4: and i got i think renaissance is my favorite beyonce album mm-hmm. i'm st- i'm still okay. now debating between four and renaissance
0: mm-hmm. make a call this is the moment the pressure's on
4: i think i have to say renaissance because of the format of it i think yeah. like having it be mixed and having like one billion people write on it yeah and being just like a club kid myself i mm-hmm. think i think it's got to be renaissance Okay, so
0: the final list is Sasha Fierce, Dangerously in Love, Lemonade. Then you were tied between B Day and, and Self Titled. I think B
4: Day wins out over Self Titled.
0: All right, so Self Titled B Day for Renaissance. Yeah. All right, I think that's respectable it. list. Thank I got to respect it. Thank All right, you. who's up next? Ira, you want to go?
1: I could actually be very quick because I actually have the exact same ranking as Pooja. <gasps>
0: whoa four
1: for me was timeless it's a perfect album it was my favorite beyonce album even weathering the self-titled and lemonade drops i was always just like a four it's four It's for you know, Mm -hmm. and B Day was Mm -hmm. always Mm -hmm. the one right after it. I will say Mm -hmm. for Sasha Fierce, I will just say the difference is that you know for us in our songs that we dislike. I mean, listen, (laughs) let me tell you something about Sasha Fierce. (laughs) Sasha Fierce could never be a good album to me. I mean, I I literally skip the whole beginning of this album. If I were (laughs) if I were a boy, abysmal halo abysmal oh
0: my god i don't think she remembers that song she She has not made reference uh, to that song one time since 2009 do you
1: think (laughs) that she remembers disappear and broken hearted girl and ava maria what the fuck are we doing here i I wish i could forget no the saving grace of this album is sweet dreams a iconic Mm -hmm. song with a wild as hell video that I just rewatched recently. I always like would see like clips of it at the bar or something, but I forgot that it opens up with her like, Levitating in this bed. It's very <laughs> fucking weird.
0: Also, that performance of Sweet Dreams where she's like in the red outfit yes. and there's like the harps playing. I mean, come playing. on. You
1: yeah, know, that's, that's also why I'm so excited for yeah. Renaissance and hearing older stuff mixed into the catalog in the tour because mm-hmm. I feel like one thing Beyonce really does more so than the other girls is there are live versions of her songs that are better than the original recorded and also get stuck in your brain. I can't hear Crazy and Love in the club without wanting to hear the Homecoming version. Like, the way that goes yeah, into, same. like, the
0: looking so crazy. Look Th- it. With, the, with the back that ass up part of it,
2: yeah.
1: That's what I want to hear. Dangerously in Love. I, I really do think the album's cute. It was a nice introduction. It's Noah Shanti, as you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> And honestly, he was a little right. Ashanti had bangers, and that album was not giving that. But, you know what? I, th- this may be controversial. I would love to hear Hip Hop Star. Oh, line. wow. Give us just like a few seconds of that in like a <laughs> dance break for America Has a Problem. And that, and I would be so happy. And I'm, oh putting, that, and I'm putting that out into- I want to hear signs. <laughs> I, <put, laughs> I want to hear signs. I'm putting that out into the world only because I remember Homecoming. She had not played Deja Vu in years, and I love that song. I actually love how it starts out B-Day because I do like Jay-Z, and I also feel Mm -hmm. like I like that it starts with him being like, Beyonce, come on. Like, he's calling her. He's like, you know, he's summoning her. I mean, the album's about to start. But all leading up to Homecoming, where she hadn't played it before, in the car, on the way to Coachella. When we were at Coachella, I just kept being like, we're in the desert. I just want to hear... Bass. Bass. And then she goes into Deja Vu, and it wasn't (laughs) happening. And then we get that whole guitar and like the whole, like the drums and everything, like like a whole one-minute intro to Deja Vu before it even starts. And that is maybe like the most euphoric moment of Homecoming to me. And Mm. so I am Mm. speaking to the spirits that I want to hear hip-hop star (laughs) on the Renaissance
2: tour. (laughs)
0: Wow, well, I guess no one else is here for um, Virgo's <laughs> Groove into signs besides me. <laughs> uh, anyway. What was the,
4: um, the only <laughs> dangerously in love Virgo song?
0: A gift from Virgo.
1: A gift that? from a Virgo. Yeah, like, I don't want it. <laughs> Take, it, Send it back in the mail.
4: All right,
0: so you're going with the same exact list. I have the same
1: exact list, except we have different skips.
0: Wow. Different skips, but same
1: order. Yeah, different skips. Same order. If that one was hard. Got it. I almost put four above Renaissance, but as much as I think four is just so beautiful, to fall to quote Pooja like I'm a club kid too I'm in the club every weekend Mm -hmm. so you know that album speaks to my Mm -hmm. truth it's a Mm -hmm. good ass album
0: it's hard to fight it all right Hunter you're
3: up okay I did write mine just now sorry um (laughs) so it's very wrong thank you all so much (laughs) 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 okay at the bottom Sasha Fierce I don't think I need to say why (laughs) Second to last is Dangerously in Love, which actually really did hurt because yeah. despite all the filler, Baby Boy, Naughty Girl, like those are amazing yeah. songs. Yeah. Crazy in mm-hmm. Love, too. Mm-hmm. It could honestly carry if she weren't Beyonce. Like if she were someone else, right. I'd be like, that's that person's best album. No. Right. Okay, third from the bottom which feels kind of controversial because, similar to what Pooja was saying, this was a moment for me, self-titled, mm-hmm. is like, at the time, I liked the music, and when I listen to it now, I still like it, but it just still feels so mm-hmm. of its time. Like, just the Boots production. Remember I'm like Remember that guy? <laughs> I'm like not oh, into that anymore. It yeah. just does mm-hmm. not, it sounds very dated.
1: Also, that 100%. Frank Ocean song is truly awful. I'm sorry. Superpower. (laughs) is is And the video, too. I was just like, that was, honestly, that was when I first started to see the Frank crack.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a lot of the ideas weren't fully formed. But then we get the fully formed idea of blue is brown skin girl. And it's like, no, no, no. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let's let's actually go back to the drawing board on that one. Um, (laughs) And then... In a sort of similar way, I would say fourth for me is Lemonade, just because it doesn't feel entirely cohesive
0: Mm -hmm. as
3: a sound, but like as a narrative, Mm -hmm. obviously Mm -hmm. love it, but that's a different conversation. Third is four, because... Even for like the songs on 4 that became like opening weekend of college, like songs like Love on Top or whatever. like You were younger than us. <laughs>
2: yeah. Opening, <laughs> opening yeah. weekend of college That's just
3: songs. Like, oh my every, God. Drag woman to You would listen to hell. Love on Top <laughs> <Okay>.
0: non-fucking-stop.
3: Literally. <laughs> but-, <laughs> but I
0: still love My horror. head just cracked open. No, okay. yeah. I-, I get it.
3: It is the blueprint, but it also has like so many of the ideas that I just don't like her doing, you know,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. such as name names. You hate run the world. I know you do.
3: Yeah. I mean yeah. that we don't even have to talk about that. Vote thing I it never had. Care. I don't really like yeah, that song. Mm-hmm. But then again, yeah, I care. One. I mean, hello, yeah. the live at Roseland yeah, thing. That's like one of her best Instant. live recordings ever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was at
0: that, thankfully.
3: Then I'm going to say Renaissance is my number two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And B-Day is number one. Mm. B-Day is that. Fucking girl. That's my girl. That's my girl. I suppose. That's my girl. And you're going to always get it again and again.
0: (laughs) Like. (laughs) Talk about no fucking skips. 37 minutes of no skips. And just
3: the fact that B-Day sounds so different from a lot of other stuff put out during that time, like 2006, mm-hmm. she mm-hmm. is like just truly charting her own path. And yep. all of those songs, it's like ring the alarm, get me bodied. Whenever I hear those songs, mm-hmm.
1: I stop. Yep. Honestly, 100%. my favorite Beyonce song to this day is Sugar Mama" off of B-Day. Mm. That song just sounds sexy oh as hell. Mm-hmm. I love
0: mm-hmm. it. She did her fucking thing on that album.
4: That's oh also God. the tightest album meaning yes. like it's oh, the no shortest question. album and I feel like when we're talking about skips like it's because yeah. she's putting out too many songs
0: yeah now. yeah. sometimes these records are too long It's yeah. true yeah. there's there is not a wasted moment on B-Day I
4: mean except for resentment Yeah, resentment is my skip also yeah, yeah I skip mm-hmm. it but
0: like also resentment took on new meaning like in the post Lemonade era like mm. it helped give it context that maybe it didn't have before that like now I kind of look at that and I'm like oh she's really been calling this man out for <laughs> a long fucking time girl
1: i am never gonna get behind a song that is basically a cover of a victoria (laughs) beckham song okay we're we're
2: gonna gonna, gonna
1: leave that one on the cutting room floor and go right to check on it
0: listen when the worst song is the last song it's actually great because you can just pretend the album ends one song earlier without fucking anything up same goes for i was here truly one of the worst songs of all summer
4: renaissance worst song on the
0: album cut it Oh, goodbye. What? Okay,
3: I, I see what you're saying. I do think Summer Renaissance is just not a finale. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it just, it ends on such a high that, like, it ends on a climax. Like, it doesn't really go anywhere from there. Mm-hmm. Now, Break My Soul, were at the end. Then, yeah. you're be talking perfect album. Actually, that's, right. a,
4: that's a really good point. Because then Summer I can skip is, it a lot easier. Wow. is just cosplay. Oh, yeah. I don't oh, like God. it at all. What
1: I would offer, though, is it goes into I'm that girl so perfectly that, that's why it's sort of, as that climax, so is such, it I feel like those songs flow so easily where you just replay it over and over again, right? Like if it ended on like a yeah. thud where like this is the end of the album, the cycle on repeat factor would be different.
0: It ends with a round of applause. That's how things end. She literally says round of applause. <laughs> that's the end. That makes sense as the end. Aww. All right, here's me. So last one is Sasha Fierce, as everybody talked about ad nauseum by far her worst collection of songs siphoning the two personas off it didn't work I'd say I hate pretty much every song on the I Am disc I'm trying to think of any exceptions to that I can't think of any that I would ever listen to I hate Broken Hearted Girl I I think of that as the moment where Beyonce like was in some sort of like tear about like appealing to white people and I don't like there was like some fucked up shit going on there that like I just it didn't work I don't like any of those songs Uh, on the Sasha Fierce disc I think Single Ladies although I never need to hear it again I mean I'm a DJ who's DJed hundreds of weddings in my life. There's absolutely no reason I ever need to listen to Single Ladies ever again in my entire life. But I (laughs) recognize it as and a kooky, incredible pop single <laughs> that was so weird the first time we heard it. I think it's hard for people to remember how fucking strange that song sounded when it first came out and like what a weird single choice it was and the video's iconic, so whatever. Sasha Fierce, far and away the worst Beyonce album. I don't think it's even debatable. Anyone who says otherwise is literally deluded. Second to last is Dangerously in Love, obviously, as everybody said. I actually think this is a weirdly strong album. I think Hunter's point about the fact that like for other people, this would be like a top album for their career. And I don't just mean the singles. Like, I actually do kind of enjoy some of the languid R&B gestures on the second half of the record. I love Be With You. I love Mm. Yes. Yeah. Uh Yeah. I love Yes. Yeah. Like, there's some... To me, that record actually really only falls apart in, like, the last kind of third, the home stretch with, like, Daddy, and That's How You Like It. Like, there's a few songs at the very end where I'm like, this is filler. But that's actually a really solid run for her first album there and the singles undeniable some of the best of her generation i mean having crazy in love baby boy and naughty girl as an opening three song run like who's doing that come on that's fucking crazy like iconic
1: and a luther collab
0: Anna luther collab. I,
1: I like it and she got luther vandross <laughs> on her first album i don't I, know i, I like I, it I, it's I, vocals I,
0: I think dangerously in love is like a pretty solid debut record Okay, my fourth is Lemonade, as was brought up here. That was a really interesting thing for me because there's no question in my mind that I think probably to this day, including Renaissance, because we don't have the visual aspect of it, the grandest achievement of her career. I mean, the entire thing was so jaw-dropping. The film and how the film filled out the world of the music was truly like an achievement that I think will go down, stand the test of time. It's so incredibly well done. It's so incredibly well thought out. It's the expression of that period of Beyonce's career and her prowess as an audiovisual master, I think is rendered in that film. And I think as many of you laid out, the music on its own without the fleshing out of the visuals is not as strong as some of her other work to me. I can't remember which of you said this, but I think it was Puja. Like, there are songs on there that like work as accompaniment to the visual story of the film. But like when I'm listening to it just as an album, like I don't need to hear it. Like I hate Sandcastles. I don't care for Pray You Catch Me. <laughs> I hate the James Blake song. Sometimes Freedom to me sounds like a Nike commercial. Like I don't know. Like there's certain things about it that I'm just kind of like this isn't. Like her strongest collection of songs, but has again some of her best. Like Hold Up, one of my all time favorite Beyonce songs. Formation, I think, might be like her crowning achievement as a single. Love All Night. Oh my God, All Night. Beautiful song. Love that song. So, a lot of good songs on there, but I just think as a collection of songs, not as strong without the visuals. This is where it gets really tough. The next four for me are like basically, and different days, I could say different ones. I think I put four next because I I see. Mm. Wow, 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 wow. 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 Hmm.
4: (laughs) So, you don't like to party? (laughs) I'm confused.
0: (laughs) I'm really a homebody, so uh, I don't know. I mean, again, four features like a number of my favorite Beyoncé songs. I think Countdown is, again, arguably maybe one of her best songs, if not her best song. I love, I care so much. I love End of Time. I love Love on Top. But Start Over, Rather Die Young, Best Thing I Never Had, a irreplaceable retread that, like, does not work for me at all, like, really stalls the album in the middle. I was here an abomination. Diane Warren at her absolute most saccharine. I cannot stand that song it makes me want to put my head through a window i i'm with hunter on run the world <laughs> you really should like that song <laughs> <laughs> I'm, with hunter on, I, I'm, with, I'm with hunter on run the world like that song has never worked for me run like, the world gave us hold up though. okay so it served yeah. its purpose so... but i never need to listen this is this is, a, this, is a, this is my thing <laughs> Wait, this is my thing about four which is that i think as, I can't remember which of you said this but I do think it sets the blueprint for that era of her career like it was definitely like table setting for the Beyonce that we know today but I still think it was the last moment where she was like making concessions to try to have like trendy hits so like best thing I never had is definitely like a tr- an attempt to replicate Irreplaceable like Run the World was her like one attempt to make an EDM single in the throes of the EDM movement like there's parts of that record that just like ruin what is otherwise like one of her best sets of songs to me personally
1: I will say that song gave us her getting into Matthew Morrison's face saying, better cut my check at the AMAs, <laughs> which is one of my favorite live Beyonce
0: moments ever. Or when she handed out diplomas and the Oprah show. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Dude, the like one that. where she does the cut my check thing, I mean, that performance is amazing yeah. with the screen behind her and like her like throwing the shit yeah. out. I mean, Beyonce can sell horrible songs very well
3: thinking about all of this it's like girl that's why she hasn't released visuals because she's had to work too hard yes, for too long sure. like, handing out diplomas on the Oprah show I would not make visuals either like <laughs> you guys figure it out uh, and
4: she was like on that like children's health campaign oh my tour. god move your body yes <laughs> yes right. move, her, yeah, oh. move your body Michelle Obama yeah. Michelle did that Just that, that, that the whole
5: curly
3: hair oh, wow. era that whole like like big blonde curly hair like
0: Girl. Okay. She she has to go on
1: the Tyra show. He's tired. Okay. She's tired.
0: (laughs) Oh my god, that (laughs) clip.
5: Was that the one where she where Tyra rhymed
0: her name to like
5: Beyonce? When was the last time you bought something in a store? Seance. Seance. If you could communicate with anybody that has passed away, Uh. who would it be? Briance. What's your favorite type of cheese? (laughs) (laughs) Greyonce. You get older, are you going to dye your hair? Clayon, say, have you ever voted on American Idol? <laughs> Slosha, fierce. When was the last time you was a little tipsy? Squasha, fierce. What sport do you like to play? Pasha, fierce. Who's your favorite Spice Girl? Washa, fierce. Do you sing in the shower? Josha, fierce. Which Josh do you think is sexier? If I were Ahoy, I know that you like to take vacations on boats. If I were Tolstoy. Can you do a Russian accent?
1: She does. She did that with her, and then she also does it with Janet too. Uh, And we haven't seen Janet since. And Mary.
0: And (laughs) wait, the best one is Mary. Mary is looking at her the whole time, like, "Are you fucking out of your mind?" Rounding out here, third place for me is the visual album. I think Hunter's points about it actually are clarifying for me. Again, when this record came out, it was my favorite Beyonce album. I thought it was the greatest thing she'd ever done. I was completely taken with it. it, owned my life for a year. I go back to it now. I still love most of the songs. I think it's great. I think it has some, again, some of her best singles. I think Drunken Love is so amazing. I love Partition. I love a lot of songs on this show. I love Rocket. I mean, come on.
3: No angel is no like one No angel so songs. good. Oh. Like no angel. That Caroline poetry. Oh, yeah. yeah, the Caroline poetry. He Poitier did what Poitier she meant to do, one <laughs> that one, and then swiftly said the N word after. <laughs> <laughs> <God>. <laughs>
0: Uh, still, still oh, my favorite yeah. Carolyn Polachek yeah. song. Uh, so there you go. Uh, so <laughs> I'll put that at third. Also, just I think the achievement of the whole thing, the way that it reoriented the business. Like I don't know. I just feel like there was so much going on there that I just really like. I still bow at the feet of that record. Number two and number one. As for Hunter, was really difficult for me. I'm just slightly in the reverse, just out of sheer ambition. I think number two is B Day for me because. I just think it is her tightest, most concise record. It is nothing but bangers from start to finish (laughs) besides resentment and it (laughs) and I think it's the moment where Beyonce like fully became the Beyonce that we sort of like know and love today I mean like she as Hunter said it doesn't sound like a lot of records that came out at that time she really carved her own path in a way that she would continue to do throughout her discography and to me those songs just hold up so well like you get kind of like funky throwback Beyonce on Deja Vu and Sugar Mama and Freakum Dress but you also get this sort of of Beyonce taking on skeletal hip hop gestures that like becomes like a big aspect of her music moving forward on the Swiss beat songs like Upgrade You, Ring the Alarm, and Get Me Bodied, three of my all-time favorite Beyonce tracks. I love Kitty Cat. I actually really like Irreplaceable, which is a, doesn't really fit with the album, but I still think is one of her strongest singles that I would take over Halo any day of the week, no question about it. (laughs) For what it is, it's like the best iteration of that Neo Stargate thing, maybe outside of like So Sick, perhaps, being the only other exception to that. So I love B-Day. It's the album that I probably return to the most in her discography. There's never a time I don't want to hear B-Day. love every song on that. And I got to just put Renaissance at the top. I just think Renaissance is... Perfection. I I don't know what else to say about it. Like, there's not a moment on that record that I'm not thrilled by. There's not a moment I don't want to hear. When I put it on, I want to listen to the entire thing from start to finish. It is a thrill. Every detail, every thought that went into it, it's fun, and thoughtful, and you can dance to it, and it gives you something to think about, and it is, to quote herself, dot, 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 flawless, I don't know, (laughs) as someone who has reclaimed the album format, or put herself at the forefront of making albums that make sense as albums and this is something that sort of connects her to the broader history of black women in pop music who were often not taken seriously as album artists were brushed aside for a lot of the 60s and 70s in that format and seen as not viable contenders in that particular space beyonce making herself the premier album artist of her generation has meaning beyond just the fact that like she makes great albums like she is the torchbearer for what making a complete album is in the A-list pop tier. And to me, Renaissance even beyond both self-titled and Lemonade is her greatest musical achievement as an album. It is a vote of confidence. It is a reason for the album format to continue to exist in in its perfection and in the way that she put that thing together. And it's cohesive without sounding samey. She traverses so many styles. She does so much. It's just, I'm so impressed by it and I continue to love listening to it. So I don't think there's any way I couldn't put Renaissance at the top of my list. So that's my... That is my rundown. Girl, you are preaching. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Girl, come
3: on now, come on now. Come on,
0: Martin Louis King. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, it's honestly, it's comforting. Listen, we all have like some some view of the same thing here. We all understand that Sasha Pierce is trash. We all understand that Renaissance is incredible. The rest of it could could kind of be in the mix anywhere. So to finish us up, I know this might be difficult. Can the four of us agree on a song to send the podcast out on, the song we are most excited to hear live at the Renaissance World Tour. Ooh.
4: I, I think it's heated. It's heated for yeah. me too.
0: I'll say heated.
1: My fave is Virgo's Groove, but heated is just like the moment you want to see that. You want to see the 10, 10, 10s. You want to see the hardwood floors.
0: Yes, I want to see. I want to see eighty thousand <laughs> people going yada 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 yada, yada. yeah
4: yeah. I, I mean, I was so impressed. That's like kind of the most impressive vocal moment oh, on yeah. the album for me is like her reading was, I at first didn't think it was her.
0: Oh, yeah. I wonder if there's, well, there's like, A, is there a Drake scratch vocal of that somewhere sitting around? Because you know he co-wrote that <laughs> oh, song. Oh, God. And the other thing is, did they call that from like minutes and minutes of her like riffing and improving that shit and like pull out the best moments? Like, is there some extended cut of Beyonce just like going nuts mm. that the yeah. world needs to hear on the Renaissance Deluxe Edition? or whatever I want it I, I want it too. When,
1: like when she does I've been on live that's what I think we're gonna get from her doing that like yeah that's what she's in her bag
0: oh yeah she loves that shit all right so let's go out unheated. guys this was such a blast Hunter Harris Pooja Patel Ira Madison the Third. thank you so so much for being on the show
4: this was fun thank you thank you uh, thank
0: you <laughs>